Hello, baby. You're listening to My Perfect Playlist with me, Mark Nelson. And welcome to my perfect playlist. This is the podcast where I invite guests to compile a playlist based on certain categories and moments and memories from their lives. Thanks again for joining us. This is episode four, and my wonderful guest today is Tom Houghton. Tom is a stand-up comedian, former member of probably the best improv group in the country, The Noise Next Door. He's a very, very posh man. He currently lives in the Tower of London. His dad is a lord, and I have got him on to talk about music. It's a cracking, cracking episode. I'm going to be very, very quick with the intro this week because I am currently recording this about eight hours before Scotland hopefully beat England, so I am desperate to go and get drunk in the sun. So please enjoy the great episode with Tom Houghton. Cheers. Tom, thank you very much indeed for joining me. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Mark. It's a lovely sunny day. I'm sat in my dad's office, in my dad's chair, because I, I haven't got an office. I, I, I've got no house, no room that's actually mine. So I'm just... You've got no room in your own house? Oh, well, apart from my bedroom. Right, aye, I was going to say, like, you can't... You can't, sleep, you can't sleep in your parents' bed like the dog, like just curled t- up at the bottom. Just top and tail with my mum every night. It's really, it's really awkward. <laughs> it's spoiling the marriage, to be honest, Mark. I don't, I don't know how long I can keep living like this. <laughs> your dad just got to work. How's Tom? I have a cock block, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm very good, thank you. I'm, I'm... Right, thanks for sending over your choices. Um, I was surprised at a lot of them. But we'll get we'll get into them. I mean, I think it's it's an excellent excellent playlist. Um, right, we'll get right into it. Uh, opener, the big yes. song to stamp your authority on the playlist. What have you gone for? Well, I went for so as you know, Mark. I really like musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, very big musical fan, and so I'm also obviously a comedian. And the film that I think is one of the best musicals ever created, even though people don't think it's a musical, they think it's a piss take, but it's not. It's genuinely a, one of the best musicals ever, is uh, South, the South Park Bigger Longer Uncut film. And the opening song, Mountain Town. There's a bunch of birds in the sky And some deers just went running by Oh, the snow's pure and Uh, which is essentially it's a sort of a, uh, it's a play on it's, it's like um, the Beauty and the Beast song that starts it's the little town and this is Mountain Town and it's Stan Marsh going to town and he's collecting all his mates to go and see the Terrence and Philip movie and it just um, as far as an opening musical number it does absolutely everything everything you want an opening to do it establishes the characters it's got like an undercurrent of um, sort of trepidation because um, the music's just incredible. I don't know if you're a big. Have you ever seen a musical, Mark? Have ever? Well, I, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about. We're going to. Well, we might as well talk about musicals now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it's going to be a heavy part of this podcast. I have because uh, I expected you to pick more musicals. I my thing with musicals is I don't 
I, I, I've convinced myself I don't like them. And then when I actually think of some things that are musicals, I go, oh, I really, really like that. Because I forget that, like, because I love the, both Grease films and their musicals. Yeah, Blues Brothers is a musical. Have you got um, a favourite song from it? Because Grease Lightning has See, to be... I do like Grease Lightning. Years ago, uh, when my daughter was two or three, she went to a dance class and they had this wee show at the end of it and they did Grease Lightning. But they did it with the lyric, with the full lyrics, not the censored lyrics. So Ooh. me and my, me and this other dad caught each other's eyes just watching these two-year-olds thrusting, and and it was like, what the fuck are we watching here? This is horrific. And uh, yeah, it's all like, oh, I'll grab his hot rod and stuff like this. Yeah, it's all right, really. They, they basically say the car's a pussy wagon, and you're like, oh, it's a real pussy wagon. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, that, what, what? I mean, for God's sakes. Um, but as, as far as the other, like, what what is your favourite musical? Oh, Mark, this is a hard question. Um, as far as favourite, the, 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 the first musical I ever went to was Cats, mm-hmm. which is not my favourite musical, but it has my, like, a special place in my heart because it was the first time I went to the theatre, then suddenly there were all these people doing trapeze and dancing and there's music. It was like, you know when you're, you're in the presence of something, you just go... I fucking love this. Yeah. This yeah. is amazing. Uh, so Cats was great. Then seeing The Lion King for the first time, because The Lion King was such an important film for me growing up, then watching that in the theatre and in that opening circle of my life number and seeing all the, like a fucking elephant yes. walks through oh, the audience. It's yeah. incredible. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And um, the stampede scene when it comes out, that was like, that came out at a time when the West End Theatre was really doing some amazing things with the scenery and stuff as well. So that was uh, that was great. But then, and then recently, the the South Park guys, Book of Mormon. I mean, oh my god! As far as a, I don't know if you've seen that. I've not seen that. As, no. Fuck me. I mean, South Park is to me arguably one of the greatest the greatest comedy ever written. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's incredible. And so the Book of Mormon is the guys who wrote South Park, and then the the writing duo, the Lopez duo, who wrote the music for Frozen. Oh wow! And it's those, it's the collaboration of those two, and it's and it's just the best thing ever. Because I mean, I suppose every Disney film's a musical, essentially. Well, um, it's funny you should say this, actually, Mark. There was the renaissance of Disney that happened in the nineties with the Little Mermaid, yeah, which started the Disney uh, started the characters singing trope uh, back up again. So there was this the the mega hits that happened with Disney was uh, Little Mermaid then Beauty and the Beast, then Aladdin, then Lion King. And that was just like, that was when Disney properly soared up. Yeah. Then it it took a dip again because it then, uh, ones like Brother Bear and Tarzan, then they didn't have the characters singing. And so they stopped doing the musicals then. And it had a bit of a drop off, like uh, Atlantis as well. And then... Disney came back on again doing musicals. They went, hang on, no, that was working. We should do that again with things like Tangled. Oh. And then, which, again, amazing. And then Frozen just, you know, um, Frozen was so successful that the two, Elsa and um, Anna, they're not counted as Disney princesses because those two characters, their merchandise outsells all other Disney princesses put together. Really? So they don't count them as Disney princesses because they would ruin all the rest of the Disney princesses. Wow. That, that's how successful Frozen was. It was, it was just incredible. That's, that's amazing. 
That is, I, I remember, like, my favourite one recent is Moana. I think Moana's a, an amazing film. <laughs> really good. I love Moana, yeah. Really good. And so, do you know, so the guy who wrote that is called Lin-Manuel, who he wrote Hamilton. Really? Yeah, so Jesus. he wrote Hamilton and Moana. I want to talk uh, very, very quickly about South Park. Do you still watch South Park? I do, yes. I yes. do, absolutely. Yes, and I love South Park. It is unlike, arguably, well, not arguably, definitely The Simpsons. South Park still holds up. It's it still, it, 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 if anything, it's even better than it was in like, I think the so. classic days. I, I agree. Like, I think because like The Simpsons, which I think slightly unlike things like Family Guy, but underneath all the crude humour and stuff with South Park and The Simpsons, there are morals and there's an actual message behind it. There's yeah. always a gen- There's always sincerity actually underneath it, and they're making a point. Yeah, which is why those sort of stories live on. Well, that brings me back down to so South Park the movie in that opening. In that opening song, the key the, the key lyric in that opening song is when they've all got the four boys together, the music swells and the lyrics are, um, off to the movies we will go where we learn everything that we know because mm. the, the movies teach us what our parents don't have time to say. That's very cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And that, to me, sums up all of, like, um, South Park movies, theatre, songs, every bit of pop culture to me. Yeah. That, that is the grey areas of where you learn your morals and your values from. The yeah, times totally. Because your parents don't have time to teach you. And it's a, it's a lyric like that in a song like South Park the movie, which you might go, oh, it's just them doing shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. It's like, no, like deep in the su- soundtrack, there are genuinely incredible lyrics and they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, that's amazing. And it, what, what I like... What, what I always think about with South Park is because you'll have you'll have experienced it as well in with, with comedians, the arseholes that go about talking about oh you can't say anything anymore this can't this everyone's trying to cancel us it's cancel mm-hmm. culture you, you, I mean yeah. you, you get you get told what you can can't say on stage and you're like no you don't like every single episode of South Park you watch and go that is extreme stuff that they're saying like this is like yeah. the best social commentary because every single thing that's yeah. in the kind of zeitgeist and every social problem south park has managed to nail and Absolutely. has been offensive and no one's said because it's funny and it's well thought out that's that's De- you're not allowed to say shit jokes that's what you're not allowed to say <laughs> that's exactly it it's like yeah you can't just be offensive for yeah the offensive sake um and South Park does it at an alarmingly quick rate as well. It's it's like the thing happens and they've already got the episode out. It's like yeah. how the fuck did you write it that quickly? Yeah. I think they sort of I think it's a week turnaround per episode for South Park. I watched a documentary wow. on it. And that's animation yeah. as well. That yeah, yeah. So I mean it's obviously yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. that animation yeah, that, yeah. which is part of the charm of it because it's it's the crude animation, but it gets away with it because mm-hmm. it's done so well. People say you can't say anything nowadays. I mean Especially on stage, like the, that's down to do, do the audience laugh or don't they? It's like, yeah. it, you can say stuff. You definitely can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're, but what they're basically saying is, I can't say whatever I want, in yeah. no with no context whatsoever. Well, that's what you're saying. Like if you yeah. if you can if you can address it in a way that's either clever or is making a point or is an original thought or is a different angle on it, then yeah, of course you can say whatever the fuck you want. It's not a yeah, especially yeah. stand up. Like, like you say, who who who's policing it apart from the audience? And then if the audience don't like it, you can answer to them afterwards. 
Definitely. I think it, sometimes it comes from, like, it depends on who the messenger is. Yeah. For example, like, if suddenly... Um... Don't be afraid to name names. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm trying to give fam- famous <laughs> celebrities rather than just people we know on the circuit. <laughs> oh, that... Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, if someone who's, like, a, a senator or, mm-hmm. or, you know, if Boris Johnson says something, it's like, well, clearly he, c- he can't get away with saying as much stuff as... Bill Burr can. Yeah. Because Bill Burr has created this image of himself where I, this is what you're in for, this is what I'm doing. So people go, well, that sounds like Bill. Whereas if you, you, bloody Mary Berry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. If Mary Berry did a Bill Burr routine on Bake Off, it'd be like, well, this is... This is pretty awful. Yeah, yeah. So it does depend on the messenger as well, I think. There was interesting, we'll move on in a minute, but there was this interesting uh, thing, like, because I love, I love dogs, uh, stand-up Doug Stanhope, and um, I think he's the best in the world. And he's got, he's got a routine years and years and years ago where two people, two women took offence to the fact that he was drunk on stage, and he's kind of doing it. It's like, he was just drunk up there. He's just drunk. And he goes, I'm not driving a bus, motherfucker. Like, I'm a comic. Like, what does it <laughs> matter? Like, who cares? And then uh, <laughs> I heard them on a podcast last week and they were talking about people that have a big following and yeah. particularly around the COVID thing, whether they should respect the fact that people follow them and basically give out a, a good message uh, because they can influence people. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that, yeah, they should be giving out a good message, but then they kind of turn it back and going, well, all you're doing is... Uh, all you're doing is re hashing your values your values are your values so why mm-hmm. just because now have you got a platform and why now have you got an influence why the hell should you change surely that's less respect surely you've got less respect for them now because they've completely changed because they now have a platform that's not truly what they believe they're just pandering to whatever audience yeah definitely i think um if you then if you change your opinion because you genuinely do see a different side to something and change your opinion, I think that's mm-hmm. fine. But if you're just doing it because you now feel like, well, this is what's going to make me more popular and this is going to do this, then, yeah, that's very disingenuous, isn't it? Yeah. I think um, the, the Doug Stanhope, I, uh, I'm sort of, I've, I've started his, uh, his book, uh, the one where he's, he just talks about helping his mother commit suicide. Yeah. And he, uh, he just, he's drunk while doing I'm listening to the audio book and he's just, yeah. he's drunk doing that. But the women who heckled him and said, this is just a drunk man on stage, well, because they're not listening to what he's saying, which is yeah. very, very clever. It's the same people as shouting at South Park going, the animation's really shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, no, but it's not about the animation. Yeah, exactly. It's about the, me- it's about listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're doing. Yeah. That's, that's where the gold is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cracking start. Next song is a song that reminds you of your childhood. I picked Peter Andre, Mysterious Girl. song i remember really sort of playing a lot and going i like this tune i remember my mate henry mm-hmm. who you know who's yes. my army officer friend very good friend this is the time where i was at prep school so we'd have been at boarding school together and this was the time where i remember I, I was trying to do i was trying to get my entire year group to i was trying to direct the lion king in the musical music room as well <laughs> right very demanding child i got henry to sing the um peter andre part mm-hmm and then I would come in as Bubba 
Bubbler ranks. Bugger ranks. Do it a oh while you've been sitting by the fun opening court. And I memorized that entire rap verse. And it was the start of um a real musical connection between me and Henry. We then became a boy group <laughs> called uh, well we were, we were originally called the Gruesome Twosome. Ooh. Very bad. Yeah. Very bad. But then people started taking the Mickey out of that. Uh so we, we rebranded ourselves as two of a kind. No, yeah, no, there you go. That's a bit better. Yeah. And um Peter Ronde, that song then led us into writing our own songs. Mm -hmm. Um such classics as Stencils, Pencils, Rubbers and Rulers. Right. <laughs> which was a song all about arts and crafts that we did <laughs> at the back uh, in the art room. <laughs> we also had um uh it was only a winter's day. Oh. Uh which was um profound. The first lyrics, I think, were, It was only a winter's day in the middle of December one afternoon. My baby came to me and she had gone, gone away. Hmm. <laughs> she'd come to us, but she'd also <laughs> gone. I think she'd mentally left the relationship with right. these two eight-year-old boys. <laughs> uh, you were eight? I mean, oh, we that's about, deep, we were, deep shit for we, an we eight-year-old. We were about eight years old. Yeah, An eight-year-old looking out the window at crestfallen snow. <laughs> lamenting about a lost love is it really is isn't it i think i'd like listened to a krista berg song at some point and, and uh and like got some inspiration we even edward eddie joyce who was a, a fellow eight-year-old um he he basically he forced us to make his make him our manager right in while we were and then um basically he, he didn't get us any gigs uh-huh uh, we got what we got one gig because we're two eight year olds. We're two eight year olds. Well, we didn't want big. No, we. He got us one gig after I think religious studies once, mm -hmm. where the teacher went. Now Edwards asked if I can introduce and the, the, the humanities teacher. Then let me and Henry perform in front of the class. But we then had a meeting in because in our all boys boarding school in the nineties we had like bath time together. Mm -hmm. And me and Henry had this talk going, look, we're, we're going to have to let him go because he's just not get, he's just not getting us the progression that we need. And so um, it was my uh, my first uh, experience with um, an agent. And we had the uh, <laughs> we, we, we wrote him out a contract saying that he wasn't our manager anymore, which is, I don't think is how you actually do contracts. I think you. No, I don't. I, I don't imagine that would be legally binding. Any of this would be legally binding. To be honest. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but it, but it all came from um, Peter Andre, and hearing and hearing him and seeing his six pack. Yes. No, we'll get on to that. Um, Eddie was it Eddie Joyce. It was Eddie Joyce. Yeah. Because he sounds like an agent. He sounds like the kind of guy that would get you. Yeah. A lot of gigs, like yeah. a proper wheeler dealer, Eddie Joyce. Scottish guy as well. Ah, to see, well, there was your mistake. That's... Yeah, I see. So, can, can I just... Did you say at boarding school you had bath time together? Yes, Mark, we did. Um, and how was... What, like, what was that? <laughs> the same bath? Not the same yeah. bath. Uh, we used to have the same bath sometimes. You wouldn't yeah. lie... You wouldn't lie lengthways in it. You'd lie with your legs over the bath. How do you mean your legs over the bath? So you're just right, your, so just your arse in the bath. Yeah. So two guys spread eagle. Well, guys is a very strong term for two boys. <laughs> it's not. These aren't like big muscly men. These are no. tiny little children. Um, yeah, we do that. Or if it was shower too. This is very dodgy looking back at it. But shower for showers, we'd get a teacher 
uh, there'd be like communal showers and they we'd have to line up naked they make us line up naked right and then it'd be like four in the shower room and then when they came out we go in but while the foot on the floor in the shower you were just waiting in the in line naked with your with your lynx africa jesus and it would be man or woman teacher would be taking mm-hmm. it this school shut down now i should say <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could, you could also imagine me and Henry queuing up naked while rehearsing Peter Andre and yeah, Bumerangs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Baby girl! Yeah. I'm going to try, try and have a bath like that tonight. With my legs really, either side. Oh, it's really great. It's really fun. I do it quite often when I'm... Um, if I like shaving or washing myself, yeah, I just sit up because you can even relax. You've got... You know, you can relax. It's quite comfortable. I imagine it would be, actually. Yeah, I'm going to try that tonight. Um, do, it. do it. Enjoy yourself. Like. Put some put some Peter Andre on and really let yourself. I will. Think, um, think of me, Henry, and Eddie. Uh, no, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> Wonder what Eddie's doing now. Any idea? Oh uh, yeah, no. He did add me on Facebook recently, and he had a scowl and a mohawk in his po- profile picture. Mm. And I went, do you know what? I yeah. I don't know if I was Eddie know. just protecting a statue, maybe. He might have been. Yeah. I, I think. I think maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Peter Andre's abs in that video for Mysterious Girl. I think that was the first time I'd ever ejaculated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it was the first time I'd ever realised the concept of abs. I don't think I'd ever seen abs because, like, I agree. Yeah. Muscular guys, muscular, uh, like well-built dudes. When I was growing <laughs> up as a wee guy, were like Schwarzenegger and Stallone. And they were just yes. they were just chests and biceps and they, they were act- actually quite kind of punchy uh, yeah. stomachs. Whereas Andre and you were like, "What? What the fuck is that?" And, and it, like, yeah, it flexed and it rippled, yeah. didn't it? It was like a yeah. I I heard a um, a rumor that he'd had ab implants. Right. That's what, that's that's the rumor that went down my around my school. I mean and true and that on the way over from australia one of them had exploded on the plane <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a rumor that went around my school he's always been a very oily man like he's really even in, in this video i watched it last night and he's he, he's he's almost dripping with oil his he's hair very, as well yeah. it's greasy as fucking it is he looks like a greek waiter who's <laughs> getting a bit too you know ambitious mm. with the hors d'oeuvres mm. rather than because he, he is an Aussie, isn't he? He's definitely an Aussie. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but yeah. He's, but he looks Greek, I'd say. He does. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, he dances in the ocean in jeans, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. See, I haven't seen the video in a long time. Is it as bad as I think I remember? It's it? awful. It's like I think it's. Do you know when uh, I'm a celebrity? Get me out of here. Where every year they have someone doing the kind of showering under a waterfall scene. Yes. I think that's where they got it from. Because there's a lot of that in the videos. There's a lot of him, again, in jeans. And yeah, the water, he... the water, but he's so greasy, the water just slides off him. It doesn't penetrate skin. It just, <laughs> he's, like, he's like Teflon. He's, he's laminated. Yeah. He? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's in the Caribbean, I assume. I, th- I, I, yes. I think he's he's gone to Bubba's place. Yes, Bubbler. It's Bubbler. 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 It's Bubbler. Which I, I was trying to find out um, when I was researching all this, whether that was... I think that's his real name. I think his name is Bubbler Ranks. And you wow. kind of go, well, you were only ever going to be 
like a rap hype man. You weren't like like if 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 you were if you if you were getting if you were waiting for your uh, court appointed defend defence and they said this is bubbler rags you just go well just take me down to the fucking cells just now because I've got no confidence in a, a man with the name of bubbler ranks at all and then he walks in the court baby girl <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Uh, right, move on a couple of years uh, to when you were a teenager. This is a, I, I picked um, the Bloodhound Gang, Bad Touch. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Do it again now. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. This was an absolute banger. This, this, this must have hit me at 13, 14. All boys boarding school, this is us going. So bear in mind, at this boy, boys boarding school, what would happen is at socials, mm-hmm. uh, is <laughs> we'd play, we'd, we'd not see another woman ever. Then every week or two, we'd play a rugby match. Then as a reward, they'd stick us on a bus, right. drive us an hour over the Lake District Fells, to the neighbouring all-girls school uh-huh. where they'd shove us in a sports hall for three hours Fuck. with these girls and play, <laughs> you know, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do. So, I mean... It's amazing that more people weren't hurt in those yeah. in those younger years. God, it's like a, it's like a science. It's like it's like trapping all of the bees in a jar and then just shaking it and see what happens. It is. Like, but what but but um, what happens um, is with the bees is that for the first two hours and forty minutes in the jar, the bees just stand on the opposite edges of the jar. <laughs> yes, just, just staring at each other. And then with 20 minutes to go, one bee meets another bee, the fucking jar shakes and everyone gets stung. Yeah. <laughs> multiple yeah. times in in uh, quite quickly. Wow. It was that that last 20 minutes was an absolute battleground. Cuz I I remember this song well. Um because I I don't know. I think it did pretty well. I remember they had another song that it did was really about well. a porn star, Chasey Lane. I remember that. Chasey Lane, yep, that was definitely definitely a song. That was their, that, I think that was their follow-up to this one. Yeah. But this one was the big one. It was them all dressed as monkeys running yes. around the place in the music video. Yeah. It's also the song. So I remember going to some under-16s discos. Um, and I had... So I'm not going to lie, Mark. I, when I was 14, I was spotty and acne and awful, but I somehow managed to pull the... Uh, and be the boyfriend of the fittest girl at mm. the neighbouring girls' school. Mm-hmm. This, this, I mean, it ends up with me getting bullied and stuff, and mm. uh, and she she slept with my best mate, and it was awful. So don't, don't, I'm not I'm not showing off here. Delighted to hear all of that. But, <laughs> um, and um, but the blood tank going back to touch. I remember being with her on my arm, and I think I was like. I was playing fly half for the rugby team and uh, the first of my year as well. And going to one of these discos, walking with her, everyone knew me, the Bloodhound Gang bag touch. And I remember walking in with that song playing on. And it was like the first time I'd felt like, I think I'm really cool. What What do you reckon? Because you said you were spotty and not yeah. 
hugely uh, good looking. What do you reckon it was that attracted that fittest girl to someone who now lives in the Tower of London? <laughs> um, I know exactly what it was. I know exactly what it was that made her love me. Mm-hmm. The first social we ever had, so I was, I'd have been 14. She uh, and was actually, we went to Preston Bowling Alley. All right. All boys, all girls, obviously, were all really nervous. It's the opposite sex. Oh, my God, it's the people from the other school. Um, all the boys were just really mean and mocking to all the girls. Mm-hmm. And we all got put in our separate lane lanes and, and uh, five boys would be with five girls or whatever. And she was one of the girls in my group. And all the other boys were taking the mickey and being awful. And it was time to put their names in. And when she when she put her name in, I know it's her, I know it's her name. So then when it became everyone's go, it became her go and she wasn't looking. And I said, excuse me. And she said, yeah, I, said, I think it's your go. And it's because I knew she, it was her go. She realized that I had been paying attention to her name ah. and, that, and that I had uh, and that I was being nice. And I was the only one that was nice. And that to a you know, 13, 14 years old, that that's that's love. That's that smooth. Is. That's smooth as well, man. That's. Yeah, uh, I, I, uh, and I think that's what it was. And so then she just went, this is a nice guy. And so then the next social we had, this other girl called KP, because I, I think she must have uh, said, the girl I ended up with must have said, oh, I really like Tom, because this girl called KP came up to talk to me and she tried to kiss me mm-hmm. or dance with me. And I said, no, uh, no, thank you. And she went, oh, in that case, my, my friend really likes you as well. And it was the, it was the girl. Her name's right. Lois. I, I don't know why I'm not saying her name. Lois. And um, yeah, that, that was it. Nice. And then come the last 20 minutes, I went over there and stung her. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. And I mean, you could have ended up with KP, which would have been nuts. <laughs> yes. yes, Mark. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, let's do uh, some 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 quick kind of ones. A uh, song that always gets you dancing. You went for Jukebox the Ghost. Yeah, Joke the Box the Post. Their album, Off to the Races. I would say they're sort of a mixture. They're a bit like uh, Queen in a way. Yeah. But you know, there's that really sort of lots of uh, falsetto and up and down um, breaks in the music, varieties of rhythm patterns and stuff. And um, it, it's just every song is just an absolute belter. Because I'd never heard I'd never heard of them. Um, but I think it's a crank song. It reminds me, do you remember Ben Folds 5? I do. I, it I reminds mean, me of them. Yeah, they, yeah, they, it's very like that. I think um, it's a really nice start because it's very like um, it starts very slow. Mm-hmm. Just mainly, I think it's just like one of those songs like um, like somebody to love by Queen, where it's just like yeah. it's just a cappella at the start. Yeah, and is, then yeah. the beat, uh, and then the beat kicks in. Yeah, I always thought it'd be a really nice um, first dance at a wedding song. So you like you you and the bride dance to the slow a cappella bit. Then when the beat kicks in, everyone comes and joins you. Yeah, you're right actually. Um, speaking of Queen, um, when I was looking them up as a band, they do a thing every year called Hallow Queen, 
where around about Halloween they'll do a week long of shows where they'll do Queen covers dressed in different periods of Queen's history. Very nice. Oh, that's uh, really cool. Well, that makes sense that they are inspired by Queen then. Song for a road trip. Tracy Chapman, Fast Car. You get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. Me, myself, I got nothing to prove. Great song, and I think you know, it's it's a song that meant a lot to me. I I uh, listened to it. I think I first got in touch with Tracy Chapman on my gap year. Mm-hmm. You know, same time I was getting into Counting Crows. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely that guy. And Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, that album she had. I think I discovered it in South Africa. You know, uh, the struggle just related to me, Mark. Mm. Oh, God, God, yeah. It's, I mean, a woman that's just desperate to get out of the poverty that she lives in. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, we're pretty much, me and Trace are yeah. pretty much the same person. <laughs> but um, but that, that song, Fast Car, is just, you know, it's it's her, um, yeah, it's her getting away, isn't it? It is her yeah. escaping. And that's what road trips to me are that let's go off on an adventure. So that's, yeah. um, and being in the car, yeah. Yeah, there's a really cool uh, story about it about Tracy Chapman is um, there was a, a tribute concert to Nelson Mandela on his 70th birthday mm-hmm. and um, Stevie Wonder was going to be like the special guest and Stevie Wonder was waiting to come on and uh, they realised that the uh, the hard disk on his keyboard to play all the backing uh, was missing, it wasn't in the keyboard so they had to fill time and Tracy Chapman was supposed to be on as well but she hadn't like tuned up, she hadn't... Uh, sound checked or anything she was sitting just by the stage waiting to watch stevie wonder so they just chucked her on so it was just her a mic and her guitar and then she did fast car and that's what kind of made people recognize her initially she just went on this entire stadium of people expecting stevie wonder and then just this woman came on that they didn't know who they didn't know who she was all she had she had no backing band she just had her guitar and this and the mic and then did that what a song to do yeah and she's got one of those voices, though, where you'd instantly go, oh, this woman's seen some stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a voice of wisdom and experience, isn't yeah. it? It's like, okay, okay, this isn't just like some, hi, I'm just doing this song. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for having uh, me. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a soulful voice. That's, so I, I'm not like, that's an amazing story, though. Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, cool. Song you would pick is Walk On Music. Uh, Eminem, Till I Collapse. Uh, Eminem to me is so as far as uh, as far as hero worship um, Eminem hit me again when I was 12 Oh, no, uh, no, maybe 13, 14, sorry. So when, after Lois had uh, slept with my my mate and I started getting bullied, mm-hmm. Eminem became a huge part of my life and I was a very sad teenager. And for, for an artist to redefine a joke, like Eminem is responsible for bringing rap into the mainstream. Yeah. It wasn't until Eminem that, that rap music then found its sort of roots in like mainstream and white audiences. And so he now became, so he redefined, like he, 
he progressed the genre so bigly and did it so amazingly. And it was the first time like seeing just the way he raps in his lyrics are just incredible. Um, and the Till I Collapse song with Nate Dog, yeah, as the as the chorus, who's just got as far as a rap chorus back in the back in the turn of the millennium. If you wanted a rap chorus, get Nate Dog. Yeah, he's, yeah, your go-to man. He really uh, was. Yeah, Eminem's phenomenal. Like I, I've n- I never listened to a huge amount, but I have been, and the the packing in of lyrics is just phenomenal. Like the amount of because I'm I'm a big fan of pop culture references right that's why i love tarantino films so much mm-hmm. and the amount of pop culture references that you get in an m just a standard m&m song is amazing Absolutely. yeah one of the most i really like about m&m is especially his more recent albums actually is that every every li- every song is it's like a little puzzle mm-hmm. um that you listen to and you go you try and get all the double entendres all the the puns all the all the meanings and stuff because uh, there's some lines he does which is like, I think there were four different bits of wordplay within that two seconds. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually, I um, I really love uh, just listening to them and just f- trying to get every single reference and bit that he's doing. Yeah. I also, I've got a bit, I've now got a thing in the gym. When, when I'm, uh, I listen to people do reaction videos to Eminem music videos. All right, okay. Which is, which is maybe a bit sad, but especially I like watching mumble rappers uh-huh. React to Eminem videos. <laughs> do, do you know what mumble rap is? I, no, I don't know. So mumble rap is a new form of rap that sort of evolved. Little Wayne, mm-hmm. if you know Little Wayne, he's like, he um he started doing this lazy rap, and then the vocoders and stuff started coming in. But but now but nowadays mumble rap is a a new sort of thing of rap where it's not about lyrics at all. In fact, most of the lyrics you can't even properly understand. The point is you can't understand it. It's like they've got so much swag that they're un- inaudible. Right. Um, and it's all, it's mainly about the beats. So little Zan and um, X9, all these people. And they, they do, all the, it literally sounds like, um, and kids absolutely love it. What's the um, point? It's swag, it's I attitude, mean, it's 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 yeah, it's 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 all vibe and feel and swag over actual substance. So then, they, in these reaction videos, surely they're watching Eminem and going, "We are utter shite." Like this yes. is an actual. Yeah, well, it's, it's lots of it's lots of mumble rap fans, and it's basically the young people, and they're like, and they're all very cool, and then you see as you watch them. They suddenly go, oh, what have I been doing listening to this other stuff? Yeah. This is clearly so much better. Eminem did an album called Kamikaze, right. which basically he released in uh, 2018, mm-hmm. where he called out the entire rap game for becoming so shit. And it reignited um, basically rap beefs again. It's, 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 just, it's, it's this whole new thing. And so online, um, Eminem reaction videos, uh, it's huge. It's a huge... Um, sort of subculture of stuff, reaction videos in general are. Um, and Eminem, it's still like, he's what, he's like 45 or something? Mm-hmm. Maybe f- nearly, maybe 48? That's, that's and he, mental. And he's still outselling all these younger rappers. You know, and all the other people his sort of age, you know, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Jar, they, they don't rap anymore. Yeah. They yeah. stop. Whereas Eminem is still going. Yeah. It's just, it's, 
it's an unbelievable career. It's phenomenally prolific. Like, and and what I've what I've loved about it is, and I like this a lot about a lot of artists, the way music is released now. Suddenly, Eminem will just release an album. Like, no one will have a. There's not a huge build up. There's not a single released to build up on it. There's not a tour announced. Just one day, people will wake up and Spotify will say, oh, there's a new Eminem album out. Yeah. It's cool. And it's like, it's not six tracks. Yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. It's 16 tracks. They're all seven minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, that's another thing about it. So, all mumble rap. Um, so, I think it was, uh, what the f- what the hell's his name? Little, um, little Pump. <laughs> There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of wee guys in the there's mumble a lot of, rap there's game. A lot, yeah. lot of littles. A lot of littles. Yeah. yeah. Well, they are because because they all copied Little Wayne. Right. Right. That's 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 why. And uh, Little Pump is the guy who does Gucci Gang, 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 Gucci Gang. That's the. Have you, have you heard that? No. Oh, Mark, you'd, you'd hate it so much. Right. I'd I'd like to watch you watch it just to see how. I'll do a reaction video from you listening to that. Please, I'd look yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Um, and I think I think the whole song has like. 30 words in it right um most of which are just gucci gang and it's two it's i think maybe a minute and 50 seconds long as a song Ugh. whereas eminem's one is a six minutes long or five minutes long yeah. this again goes back to the shortness of attention span that the younger generation has. yeah totally yeah all culture so dispensable now that it's just because there's so much of it around people just like i've i've i've, I've heard people talking about clips online and i'm going it's fucking three minutes i'm not watching that christ this is i i a uh, very sad about the kind of demise of albums as well because mm-hmm. very very few modern and it's, it's kind of why guitar bands have fallen by the wayside because you get a guitar band would release an album and there was a point in an album and the album would flow and each song would run into the other and there'd be a, a structure to it. Whereas yeah, exactly. no one folk people want people want their the favourite songs they've got. It doesn't matter who they're by, they just want those ones one after the other. Uh, so yeah. the idea of listening the idea of sitting down for ninety minutes and listening to an album is just mm-hmm. alien to most people. It's another thing that Eminem called out on the Kamikaze album, he called out all the rappers who have ghostwriters. Oh, good. Yeah, he did. Which, um, yeah, his point being that I've I've written every single word of everything I've ever said. Good. And, and but he was like, but to kids, it doesn't matter. They don't yeah. care. No. They don't care if you haven't written it yourself. They no. just care about if the if the, if the beat, if they can shake their waps on the dance yeah. floor or whatever it is. Tell you who else it doesn't matter to fucking stand up comedy audiences. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't at all. So any comics listen to this. I'm not saying panel shows. Absolutely use writers for panel shows because you need to turn it around very quickly. If you've ever used a writer for any of your tour shows, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Second, And you're not a real comedian. Uh, but you are I far agree. more successful than either of us. So <laughs> who's the real losers here? Yeah, that's um, true. Right. Best song from a film. The Power of Love from uh, Back to the Future. It starts with him, and it's his it's his girlfriend Jennifer kisses him, mm-hmm. and writes his her number. Yeah, because they're about to go to the lake. Yeah, 
<laughs> is four by four. Yeah. Well, what no, he doesn't. He doesn't have the four by four by this point. Well, it's getting um because Biff does hasn't he? Has Biff's it, crashed has it. Is it because he's he's borrowing his dad's? Yes, but, but which is it a four by four or is it a, a just a normal? No, like I can't remember. So I think what happens is that the idea is he's borrowing it off his dad, mm-hmm. uh, George. Yeah. Um, but when he gets home from skateboarding off the back of other people's vehicles, um, <laughs> and he um, he walks in and Biff is drinking um, drinking his dad's beer and going, look, um, I- I've crashed the car and he's blaming it on the dad. Yeah. And yeah, Biff's crashed the right. car. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the film, when he comes back, Biff is, wash- is waxing the car because he works for the dad. Yeah. Which is weird. Because in that in that timeline that's been created, he is now allowing because he's got he's got fucking keys for the house, Biff, right? But yeah, twenty years earlier, yeah, he just said he just sexually assaulted Lorraine <laughs> yeah. McFly. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Back to the Future does have an attempted rape scene in it, hmm. and no, no, and an incest scene. Yep. And <laughs> and his dad's his dad's a peeping tom. Look, he's climbing trees, looking he, at women. He absolutely, changing. yeah, he absolutely. It's really the the darkest character in the whole of the Back to the Future series is Jailbird Joey, who's yeah. the baby. Yeah, yeah, who, God, yeah. He's the uncle who's always in prison, and when he goes back home, he sees him as a baby, and he's like, oh, and he's in the pen with all the bars. He goes, yeah. and the, and the mum goes. Oh, um, he always cries when we take him out, so we just leave him in there all yeah. the time. And it's yeah. like, Jesus and Marty Christ. Goes, Better get used to these bars, kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like... um, um, fun little fact in, the, in that scene with the car, when, when he goes back home and Biff's um, drinking his dad's beer, he's drinking like a, a light beer. And right. he complained, why do you get, you've only got a light beer. But when he goes back to the future at the end, his dad's got like premium strength beer ah, because he's got more money ah nice yep. see see we things like that there's there's yeah. loads of them i love them in any film and i love them in any tv series but really good. back to the future they've got one where it's the uh it, it's, it's the twin pines mall yes and then when he crashes into it and goes back it's and they go back it's suddenly the the, the lone pine mall lone pine it's mall like, Absolutely. Like, oh god have you ever seen uh, we'll quickly move on but uh have you ever seen the it's not an outtake it's still in the film in Back to the Future 3 when they're standing at the end outside the train and uh, mm. Doc Brown has got his kids there. Jules, Jules and Jules Vern. and Vern, yeah. And one of them, uh, there's a bizarre bit where he points at Marty's girlfriend and then points at his dick and like does this weird creepy face. <laughs> really? you know, like honestly, go, go on YouTube after this and watch it. It is the most bizarre thing. Nobody noticed it, but there's this <laughs> creepy kid basically pointing at her and going, yeah, that's what she wants. Like, it's... I, I remember the two kids. I remember them looking highly medicated and a bit like, that's, that's some freaky kids. Yeah. Um, that's like just another Michael Jake Fox film. Have you seen uh, the end of Teen Wolf? Mm-hmm. When uh, in the basketball scene, when they're all celebrating, there's a guy up on the uh, the beaches who's just got his dick out doing the Willy helicopter. Really? <laughs> and it did. God, it slipped past the edit. So then Marty's his girlfriend. They're all like cheering and just in the background, there's a bloke with, with his with his dick out. Fucking eighties were wild. Mad uh, times. <laughs> right, a uh, a song that makes you happy. Uh, this is a, a new artist, and she's my favourite artist at the moment. She's called Sammy Ray. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, talk it up. Smoky walls, dusty halls, no one calls, and all the windfall plants are dying. She talk it up, half empty cup, half hearted love, half of the time, half way through crying. But she don't live here by herself. So it's, uh, what is it? It's sort of. I guess it's sort of jazzy vibes, but also sort of up, upbeat um, indie. She's got a very soulful voice. She's this tiny little girl, but all her songs are just incredible. Yeah. And um, this is a, this is um, an album that I discovered, and then this is what I like. Um, I, I make my breakfast to in the morning and stuff. It really gets me going. It's really really nice. I'd, I'd never heard of her, but it is proper jazzy. And like yeah. a lot of your songs, there's a, a lot of big production values on it as well. There's a lot yeah. going on. Yeah, there is. And um, it's also lots of the shalala, shalala, you know, wow, wow, all, that, all those sort of noises, which I really like. Yeah, um, it's a really, really nice song. Yeah, I mean, I, I just listen, just listen to her, um, just listen to her album. I, I was at her and Jukebox the Ghost were my two, like, here are my current new favourite things I listen mm-hmm. to. Oh, brilliant. It's very positive. And a song that makes you sad or cry. Yes, this is Brooks and Dunn. Uh, it's getting better all the time. It's getting better all the time. It's getting better all the time. Yeah, I got to work on time again this morning. These are some country and western singers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like... Um, this is a song that um, was my get over my girlfriend at uni song. Right. Okay. Which is why I picked this. What I like about it as a song is it basically it's getting better all the time. It's set as a guy who is whose whose missus has left him, and he's trying to get over the grief of of having his heart broken. And there's a there's a there's the third verse is about him. I think the lyrics go. I always thought I'd do something crazy if I ever saw you out with him again, but when the moment came last night, I couldn't say a word. I just stood there in the dark all by myself. And it's like, I got that feeling, that idea of like, when you're like, oh, if I do this, uh, if I see this happening, I'll do some big gesture. And then when you see, you get hit with pain and just, it it was a cowboy talking about weakness. The chorus is like, I I don't stop, I don't stop breathing every time the the phone rings. Mm-hmm. My heart don't race when someone's at my door. I've almost given up thinking you're ever going to call. I don't believe in magic anymore. Yeah. Oh, oh fuck me, Brooks or Dunn or whichever one. Yeah, whichever one. <laughs> whichever one you sings it. But and it, and it's that deep cowboy voice that also it's like that's a man who's had a, his heart broken. It's a proper bloke. He's he's not meant to have emotions, but he does. There's a the, the way they sing the title uh, when it comes to it as well because I, I thought that I thought it would be quite a, but they finish it on quite a kind of minor chord where it's kind of they kind of go yeah because you expect them to go oh well it's getting better all the time but it kind of goes it's getting better all the time so, yeah it and goes go, down yeah and you it go does. is it is it getting better because it seems like <laughs> yeah. it's getting worse Brooks or done yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one it is did she she broke up with you this girl. Do you want to? This is quite a rude story. Yeah, go for it. If you've got time, uh, I, mate, I've got, got time. I've got, <laughs> I've, I've got all day, and I can speak to you literally forever. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> this is such a fun podcast. Um, she was. I was in the first team rugby at university. She um, 
<laughs> she was not. She was uh, uh, basically it had been our varsity match, mm-hmm. and against the neighbouring um, Polytechnic Uni, I was playing for the first team. I scored the winning try, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she, as perfect girlfriend material, went, hey, Tom, look, it's your night with the boys tonight. You go out, celebrate. Then when you're ready, I'll be at home waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Great, right? Perfect. Yep. Yep. I went out and got absolutely rat-assed. I think I, 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 got, I got unbelievable. It's so drunk that I then, I went back to her house. I thought it would be... Um, romantic to climb up the drain pipe and climb through her window oh i got the wrong house <laughs> i got the wrong house and a guy I, I i climbed into a room and this guy with a baseball bat suddenly walked into the like, like i know and I, luckily i knew him from uni because it was a student road so it was another student and i was like, and he was like right. he was like babs what the fuck are you doing my nickname was babs right. at uni i was like oh this is your my girlfriend and then the next day i remember i woke up and I was on her couch in her front room and she was lying on the floor. Right. And I was like, what the fuck's happened? And I was like, hey. And she was like, she looked at me. She went, I went, what, what we're doing down here? And she went, can you not remember what you did last night? I was like, what? No. She went, go upstairs and smell my room. Oh, no. No, Tom. <laughs> no. And I went upstairs. I looked in and it rank, stank of urine. Uh-huh. And I looked at the side of her bed. There was a bowl which she had her favourite candle in, which was like just cut <laughs> full of piss. And her her bed, the bed was covered in urine as well. And what I'd done is I'd then got back home. I'd walked into her bedroom, confused it with the toilet, and I'd stood over her and just pissed on it. Fucking Jesus! And then she'd put me to bed, and then <laughs> in um. In my sort of panic, I didn't really... I just ran away right? when, she, when confronted with this. And that was pretty much the end of our relationship. Like, um, it'd been, like, maybe nine months. And she just... I remember her saying, like, I just can't get the image out of my head that you, 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 you pissed on me. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not how you want to be woken up at all, is it? No, it's very, um, very much not. I mean, it's, it's bizarre that the best outcome of that night would have been that guy leathering you with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. like that would have stopped <laughs> all of that. That would save the relationship, wouldn't it? Because yeah. then she'd have, she'd have nursed my wounds and it would have been God. lovely, but no. I mean, it, it's, it's now hard to feel sorry for you listening to the Brooks and Dunn song after we know <laughs> That's a, yeah. what caused the breakup. So. I don't stop dreaming every time. <laughs> At least there ain't got urine on my bread. <laughs> Hey, next song on your playlist. A song that reminds you of a friend or a family member or some moment in your life. You've gone for a full album. I have. I've got... uh, This is is another sad one, Mm. but it's a good one. This is a a mate of mine called Tim, who is my round-the-world gap year mate. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And it's a special album, because Blink-182 is the only album I ended up packing on my trip with him. The Blink-182 at that, 
that album, which is an incredible album, Blink One Two are awesome, was what him and me listened to for pretty much the entire year. So it really sums up with uh, it really takes me back to a time with uh, a mate of mine who he Tim was the guy who um, when I was being bullied at school he was the he was the person who went why do you give a shit about what the bullies think mm-hmm. just let's come and just be funny and take the piss and he gave me my confidence he was a incredibly um difficult hard sometimes quite mean person but one of the funniest people that i have ever met and he gave me my confidence back and that round the world trip transformed me oh, nice. um, so that album just very much reminds me of him and this is the album with i miss you on it yes yeah. that and i listened to that song uh in singapore and it was i got really homesick as well right. that's such a sad song yeah yeah that don't waste your time on me you're already the voice inside my head yeah Whoa, yeah what a thought blink 182 like again the 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 chords and the lyrics are so um they clash so much like like the the tunes are really like really upbeat and then there's like oh god that's a really sad lyric right there yeah, they've got, a cool way, they've got a cool way of writing uh, songs, actually. I think it's Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonga. And they they both they write together, but what they do is they, they come up with a, a song they're going to write or a chord or something like that, and then they go completely off in, their, in different directions, spend a couple of days writing on it, and then come back together. Oh, that's so they, cool. they don't sit and write together. They come up with the themes, what they want to say in the song, and then they come back with two completely different takes that's interesting the and then just meet somewhere in the middle yeah 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 that's very cool which is a very very good way wouldn't of you doing just, it yeah wouldn't you just love to hear an album of all the all the separate takes that they came up yeah with? exactly that'd, yeah probably really really good that'd be I really know, cool very nice are you still in touch with tim uh sadly tim tim uh ended up committing suicide oh, which geez. is very sad oh, sorry, but man. no no it's okay um i'll t- but i like telling this story because this is um this is how i remember tim Mm-hmm. Um, t- Tim was always it's very sad anyone who knew him knew he was he always had that potential in him and he was a very very a reckless guy who was very uh, all over the place he had ended up like falling out, out with his family a bit and moving to China um, and um, he 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 ended up jumping off a, uh, a tower block and he'd said to his new Chinese mates if I ever die, I want you to cremate me and smoke me in a joint. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, so when he did, there was in a race against time for his family to try and get over to China. Yeah. To recover the body. Yeah, I saw that. Before the triad smoked yeah, him in a the joint. the boys didn't light him up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My God. Which they, which they did. But as far as a guy, as someone who's like, had such a profound effect on my life. It was such a rock and roll way to, yeah, to end aye. in my eye. Aye, the kind of the only way, the kind of way that he would want to go as well, I suppose. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's how he'd want to go. Yeah, he he was that guy. He was he was always there for a good time, not a long time. Um, next, right, we're gonna do some quick ones now as well. Okay. Uh, karaoke song. I picked uh, James Blunt. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're 
you'll like this. Me and my mate, Andrew, another public school boy on Hogmanay, I think. We were in on Princess Street. We went to a bar that was doing karaoke and him and me sang James Blunt, You're Beautiful. And I've never had more middle-aged Scottish men want to kill me. <laughs> I was going to ask, how did it go down? Oh, fucking horrendously. Right. So, so badly. So I, I just, uh, we, so we always sing it and we sing it very badly because we know everyone hates it. Kind <laughs> of, I, I, I kind of like it i, I don't I, I don't think it's i, I quite like the album as the well. album's There's good some good stuff on it yeah uh, you're beautiful is one of my least favorite of james blunt's songs but like no bravery great song. yeah he hates uh, it as well apparently like, you're beautiful he, yeah he says like it was because of the way it was released and how it did in the charts it was just forcing it on people constantly it was used in so much stuff he doesn't he doesn't he, he didn't particularly like it at the time either I, um, when it was coming out, I was working, also my parents had sent me to work for the local uh, building site, mm-hmm. the state, um, uh, and I was, I was like a sort of trainee laborer, so I was like 16, 17 maybe, mm-hmm. and I'd been given a white van, no, no, it must have been 18, because I was given a white van, I was a white van man, I would have drove around, right. and one time I got this young apprentice who was like 16, the weirdest kid you've ever seen. Uh-huh. like big sideshow bob hair like the the builders used to like make him do like dying fish impressions on the floor <laughs> you know like probably and we'd listen to the radio wherever we drove anywhere him and me and james blonde you're beautiful would always come on and he, i just my last memory is whenever it went oh she caught my eye yeah. he'd go on a meat hook <laughs> Dude, you gotta stop saying shit like this. This is this is why people bully you. Please, <laughs> it's quite a dark song as well. Like it's a because it, it sounds it's people use it as like a a first wedding dance quite a lot. But it's it's mm. it's basically about a guy stalking his ex girlfriend because yeah. she, she she's found another relationship and he, he he spots her on the tube, but he's high as fuck, and she knows he is. And that's probably the reason why they split up. And then yes. he keeps thinking about it, keeps thinking about it. And then in the end, he does, he commits suicide. Like that's in the video, he walks into the sea. Uh, and th- because oh. he can never be with her. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't really ever think about that. But yeah. So what is probably happened is he's, he's like doing a walk of shame back at like eight in the morning yeah. from somewhere. And she's on her way to work. Yeah. And they've just, oh God. Hmm. Oh yeah, dear. They, sh- they share a look, but they, neither of them acts on it at all. And then it's just an entire, for her probably like an hour of imagining what could have been. But for him, it's like an eternity of imagining what he's lost. It's like, I've actually, is it wrong that that weirdly makes me like the song more? See, it makes me like the song much more. Yeah, yeah. I think that's much better. Yeah, yeah. And there's, a, there's another cool fact about it. Because the one thing that people always... Thought, and this is why James Blunt is great because he is self-aware. But that the first line is "My life is brilliant," uh, which you kind of go, "Fuck off, mate!" Like seriously. <laughs> uh, but he says it twice, and the reason he says it twice is the first time he came in at the wrong moment. He came in far too early, but they just kept it anyway. Best ever song you've seen live. Yeah, this is uh, well. I could have very much put Eminem when I saw um, when I watched him mm-hmm. in Wembley, uh, Twickenham. Because uh, that was unbelievable. But mm. I put Future Islands, um, Dream of You and Me. Mm. 
uh if you don't know future islands they're just the guy they're just the most amazing band to see live yeah granted i might have been under the influence and it was at uh festival so you know the 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 mood was very transcendent i was very yeah on my own little journey but the guy the guy um he's like a sort of marlin brando looking character act and he sings like he's got this really deep growly voice um and he he, he constantly dances all the time yeah and he's like <laughs> and the, just the the guy's um performance was just the most amazing thing so uh yeah but it's just i think i think it's just seeing a guy on stage you know when you see someone on stage and they are just so completely committed yeah yeah that, oh, yeah uh, and and like and, and and by during the song he's dancing all the time he's also like pretending to tear his face off <laughs> he did a he did a roly poly at one point it it look up future have you seen future islands i've never seen them no i've only the only time i've ever i've never seen them live um i've seen them on when they played Jules Holland, I think they did one of the hot, the Hoot and Annie shows. They did. I think that was one of the ones where the people went, oh my God, who the fuck's this? Yeah, because I, I do remember a guy proper leaping about the place. He's <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. And he's like a bloke in his sort of mid-40s. Yeah. 50. Like, you know, it's not like a young, whoa, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, that is a man who's yeah. <laughs> pretending to sort of impale himself on, on something. Yeah. Yeah. Mad. He's mad, but it's, yeah. it's just amazing. Guilty pleasure. Aqua, Aqua Dr. Jones. It's a way a million times better than Barbie Girl. Yeah. Barbie Girl is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 a little jaunty and a bit sort of it's, mm. not, it's quite annoying. Yeah, that is whereas Doctor whereas Doctor Jones is real like oh I can dance this. I've got a theory that the the male singer in uh, Aqua is <laughs> Pitbull. I think that's what he went he went on to be Pitbull because they look alike and they've both got that kind of and both of them are actually just Richard O'Brien in disguise yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> here at BBI I'm missing you he was great um, yeah. do you know that so when, the, when Aqua started Le, is Lenny Len, Lenny yeah yeah she was dating him right and then she ended up marrying the other one wow Mm-hmm. Oh, like absolutely! The, like the Danish Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's because I, I was I watched because I, I watch all the videos when I can find them and uh, the video for the song. It's such a particular. It's not even about Indiana Jones, right? It's about a, one particular scene in mm-hmm. the worst Indiana Jones film, which is still an incredible film. I'm not dissing Temple of Doom here, yeah. but it, it's when he gets. It's when all of the sacrifice and stuff's happening in the inside the cave, and then the guy Kali kind of takes his heart out, and 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 then he he brainwashes Indiana Jones, and short round is kind of slapping him, going "That's a Jones, that's a Jones," right? That's what this <laughs> yeah. song's about. It's about waking up Indiana oh, Jones up. from yeah. So so, so does that mean the Lenny, the, the 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 female Danish lead singer, is actually singing from the perspective of a. Of short range, tiny yeah. Asian Asian boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. 
I did not know that. That's like the, the most specific, just one particular part of one particular film. It's like, <laughs> I love that. That's very good. Oh, Aqua, hidden depths, I had exactly. no idea. See? <laughs> uh, right, very for a, a hidden gem, right, that people might not be so familiar with, but you would like them to be. Yeah, okay. So this, again, is as far as musicals are concerned. We're back on the musicals. Uh, it's the Muppets Christmas Carol. There goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grimm. If they gave a prize for being me, the winner would be him. Old Scrooge, he loves his money because he thinks it gives him power. If he became a flavor, you can bet he would be sour. It's one of the greatest soundtracks ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the Muppets Christmas Carol as a film is incredible. Yeah. Um, the Muppets, I, 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 I love the Muppets, but the Muppets Christmas Carol especially, as far as the Scrooge adaptation, is, is, is amazing. Um, but every tune is just done to absolute perfection. The opening, so the opening song, because you think Muppets again, you'd think, oh, it's just going to be like stupid lyrics and all this mm. sort of stuff. If you listen, I mean, honestly, listen to the lyrics of the opening song. It's, uh, there goes Mr. Humbug. Um, mm. So the the opening line to the Muppets Christmas Carol is, when a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone, but there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. Oh, that's a Muppets, that's a Muppets movie. Aye. And it's, it piques you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge, and the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed, is the one that we call Scrooge. That's just a fucking... Yeah. That's amazing lyrics. Yeah. Who is it that sings? Is that Gonzo that sings that? No, that is... is, I I think it might be some vegetables. All right. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, it's actually some pigs. I think it's some pigs who do it, but the vegetables do get involved. It's the the opening line. It's it's a song. It's like Mountain Town. It's um, uh, it's the setting the scene. And then... um, yeah, it, then go. It follows Scrooge walking through the town. Um, you know, there goes Mister Humbug. There goes Mister Grin. Grim. If they had a prize of being mean, the winner would be hit. Winner would be him. And there's other ones like there goes Mister Skinflint. There goes Mister Greed, the undisputed master of the underhanded deed. Yeah, like this. That's great. It's fucking amazing, Mark. Like yeah. for a Muppets, fucking it, it's the fucking Muppets. Yeah, and and just I, I just love it when um just you listen to it. I I just lo- I love a good lyric. It, it shows you how good it is when how classic a work Dickens' book is mm-hmm. that that's considered one of the best adaptations of it. Considering how many times that story has been adapted, Definitely. and the Muppets nailed it. It's the perfect because what you want with a story for the Muppets is you want, you want to have a human as the sort of central character mm. and then them all to fit in their roles. And I think just, it just happened that all the characters just fit so well. Like mm. the fact that Kermit's Bob Cratchit is like, yeah. well, yes, of course he is. Yeah. Of course he is. Gonzo and Rizzo as the narrators are amazing. Yeah. Um, all the rats are his workers. It just, yeah, yeah. Ev- every, everything makes sense. And then there's that one just like weird, like orange one that it's just, homeless he's just like a homeless <laughs> he's just a homeless rabbit yeah <laughs> uh, homeless muppet <laughs> i've got an idea for a new muppet character jim <laughs> oh really what is it he's 
he's homeless <laughs> and he's ginger and he's a rabbit. <laughs> so, oh, uh, maybe, maybe I was thinking something a bit more like a trapeze artist. No, he's got a meth addiction <laughs> and uh, he... He uses the tinfoil from the Christmas turkey to spark. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh... <laughs> That's a nice uh, class. Uh, right, cool. we're nearly done, but... Uh, done. Favourite song? Uh, just carte blanche. Anything you like, one of your favourite songs. My favourite my favorite ever song is Busted. That's what I go to school for. That's what I go to school for. which um, I busted with my favourite band ever. Mm -hmm. They hit me right at the right time when I was 16. It, it, and they, you know, Charlie Simpson went to a public school. So I've got a, I've got a story about Charlie Simpson, actually. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I went to see Busted as well on their reunion tour in 2019. They also had a song called um, Crash and Burn, which is, uh, I asked you to dance at the disco. But you said no. <laughs> um, now, that song was written by Charlie Simpson of Busted about a girl who went to Queen Margaret's school, who he, at the school, uh, asked her to dance at the disco, and she said no. She rejected him. Now, I met that girl mm -hmm. at a school disco as well. And wow. I asked her to dance at the disco as well. And she also said no to me. So... I felt I had this real connection with Charlie. Who is this heartless bitch? Well, do you know what I heard happened to her? Because uh -huh. it's pretty bad. Right. Um, basically, all girls school again. So all girls schools are awful. They're, they're really, really... Uh -huh. Men fight at all boys schools. Women gossip and break each other down emotionally and give each other eating disorders and stuff. Really horrible. Um, lots of the girls... Because she was quite an attractive girl. Lots of the other girls thought that because she was saying no to all these people... Mm -hmm. that she thought she was too good for them because right. they, so they were boys that the other girls fancied so they're like oh you think you're too good for that guy that i fancy so around the school they started a rumor that the reason she was saying no to all the boys is because she'd once masturbated with a light bulb and it had broken inside her and her vagina was completely ruined jesus christ and that bullying and that rumor led her to getting a uh, depression and she's now morbidly obese with three kids My from different fathers god almighty <laughs> this is what i heard i can neither confirm or deny this is true but jim i've got a new idea for a muppets <laughs> film <laughs> <laughs> wow my god that's horrible oh jeez that's god almighty so yeah like, what 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 a rumor hey yeah um like do you are you glad you went to private school or would you rather have not i don't think i picked the correct private school to go to right there definitely better ones than the ones i went to mm -hmm. i wish i'd gone to a uni set a, 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 a co-ed school because mm -hmm. single sex education is just mad yeah like it, it's 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 so damaging and wrong oh yeah it's like it's just, it's the same with uh i, f I find with religious schools yeah. Especially up here, it, it, it immediately defines you as being different Definitely. from someone else. 
Why do all the boys seem to be treating all these women like objects? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've yeah. never had any experience of them just being people and being friends. Yeah, you're very um, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's mad. Um, and weirdly, I'm glad I was bullied at public school. So am I. Because I think. <laughs> um, because um, I think if I hadn't have been bullied, I'd have been an obnoxious, yeah, guy. Whereas I, I was, and so I sort of went, "Oh, hang on, I don't think these people are actually very nice." And it's kind of not, it's kind of not anyone's fault that you would turn out obnoxious because you're put in that environment, and yeah, you're, you're, in... you're basically you're basically told you're better than other people. You and... are, you, I mean, you are 100 percent told that. Like, um, I am, um, our school song that we sing every, you know, every other day. Mm-hmm. It was basically it was like, oh, we're surrounded by hills, and that makes us better than everyone. <laughs> it's pretty much what the lyrics tran- like loosely translated as. Yeah. The, and we were in a town, and we weren't allowed to talk to anyone from the town. Like our my, my school motto was stern nurser of men. Wow. In Latin. Yeah. Jura virtum nutrix. And you get, that's why all public schools have that sort of, sort of the Latin and the shields and they're set up, which is why when you go into like the House of Commons and stuff, mm-hmm. it's very familiar settings. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you don't get imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's why for, for a working class person to try and yeah, get into that's... politics, it's, it's the whole thing set up to be yeah. intimidating. Yeah. So the system is just preparing you for the rest of your life. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, all the all the all the all the uh, the boarding houses and stuff. That's just the political part. It's, yeah, it's, everything is set up for that. Yeah. Um, there's a great uh, thing talking about busted because um, the uh, that's what I go to school <laughs> oh. for is about like a, a crush that they have on a teacher. Miss McKenzie. Miss McKenzie. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great story about is it Matt from. Matt Willis. Yeah, he was on a Frank Skinner's chat show, and they brought the real Miss McKenzie. She was in the audience. Oh, what, for the video, for the music from, video. No, no, the actual. So not oh, the not, one that he wrote not, the song not, about. Yeah, not the actual. So her name's not Miss McKenzie. She was a dance teacher at their school, and ah. uh, the clips online. And you, honestly, you've never seen anyone want the ground to swallow them up <laughs> as much. As... I'm, wa- I'm watching that straight away. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. It's fascinating, actually. She uh, that character, Miss McKenzie, features across uh, several albums as well. Oh, does she? Yeah, yeah. Ah. So, um, "Loser Kid" is the final song of the first album because mm-hmm. I used to be the loser kid who always ran away and hid. Um, and at the end, it goes, "But now everybody knows me because I still live with Miss McKenzie." All right. So, so she's a recurring character in the oh, busted wow. uni- in the busted universe. Yeah, busted it's not, universe. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not just one song. It's um, um she's I, very much there. I think the problem I have with Busty Dun McFly is, and I was thinking about this uh, yeah. when I was driving the other day, because I thought it was the manufacturedness of it, and then I was like, well, no, because the Beatles were manufactured pop, yeah. and the the Monkeys were manufactured pop, and and they write their own songs. They do write their own songs, and I think I think it, it it's very much my problem. And I think it was because at the time I felt like it was mocking and making fun of like punk. So bands mm. like Green Day, bands like Blink One Eight Two, The Offspring, stuff like that that I really liked. 
um i yeah. felt like it was not not so much mocking that but i felt like that was music that i was into and it wasn't really fair that mm-hmm. there was this now pre- now all these this teen- pit- now these little girls are sort of like what yeah. this is my shit what are there you was doing? this pretend away. version oh, of it that was like and i think that's what kind of made me there's also, I can imagine, did it annoy you that they all sang in American accents? Yeah, nah, not so much. Not okay. so much. Nah, okay. nah, I don't, I don't really mind people singing in accents. Uh, it just, it just felt like the, I always think about. There's, there's a, I can't remember what song. There's a Kesha song where <laughs> she makes out as if she's like this Debbie Harry, fucking a uh, Chrissy Hind kind of rock chick. And at one point, it's it's about her going to a party and her saying, like, she really hopes that the dudes there look like Mick Jagger. And you're like, no, you fucking don't. Like, you, oh, you yeah. absolutely know you Wake do not. Wake up in the morning yeah. looking like P. Diddy. Yeah. Because they look like Jagger. Don't yeah. stop making it like that. Make it, yeah. No. And, and, and the, the, with the Maroon 5 song where it was like the move like Jagger thing, and suddenly you've got these morons that are like... They've, yeah. they've now they've now got an idea of what Mick Jagger is, and it's completely yeah. false. And you're yeah. like, going, also, you're fucking what a twenty one year old kid. You don't want fucking looking like Mick Jagger. No one wants any any man looking like Mick Jagger now. <laughs> he still looks good for his age, but Mick Jagger walks into the party that you're all at. You're like, what be, the fucking? It would be way, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's so, a really lo- there's a really lovely video of uh, Kesha um, trying to talk to Seinfeld. On a red yeah, carpet. And yeah. we see that. She goes, oh my guy, can I hug you? And he goes, no. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got no idea who she is. Yeah, she yeah. goes, please. He's like, no. And you just see this beautiful woman who's never been rejected before. Like, what? You don't yeah. want to hug me, but I'm beautiful and blonde. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a lovely, lovely moment. There's a wonderful thing. Um, Jerry Seinfeld's got one of my favorite quotes ever where he's talking about... Uh, being, basically being kind of shy and awkward and unconfident and uh, people find it back on but you're a you're a comedian you know you go on stage and you do these gigs to 10,000 people how the hell can you lack in confidence and he says well the thing is about it is um, I can talk to all of you but I can't talk to one of you and I was like my god that's Ooh. exactly yes that's like is that, is that, yeah yeah that's very very deep isn't it last song it's the end of the playlist, the end of the night, it's the end of the party. What have you picked? Uh, I have picked my final, this is the end, Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charmed Life. I'm back and I'm holding, I'm smiling, she living, she golden, she lives for me. Says she lives for me, motivation, who own motivation, she goes loud and she goes loud on me. I love this song. Again, it's another one that um, a lot of these songs are stuff that have just happened throughout my life. Mm-hmm. So I could just, you know, I'm, I'm sure the listeners have got a sort of vague image of who I am. <laughs> a sort of uh, bath taking, pissing on his girlfriend, yeah. sort of sort of alcoholic cowboy uh, guy. <laughs> um, uh, but this song, I first heard this song at the end of the American Pie film. Yeah. This is how when they say to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, mm-hmm. they all cheers and they go do 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 yeah. do 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 do, and um, again, it's another sort of quite bleak, dark song. Yeah, um, but so positive. It also became when I was with the, my ex 
group comedy group that I was in, the Noise Next Door, mm-hmm. for ten years. It was the Thank You and Good Night song that we played at every single one of our shows. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we'd always uh, Thank You, Good Night, dude, dude. Yeah. And it's just, it's just there's something very sort of um, it's it's sort of final but sort of hopeful. It's is it's that sort of like it's it's the end, but there's going off into the next bit. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is a. It's quite a meaningful song. It's about because a part of it's about meth addiction as well. Yeah, lots of drugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the whole the, the the chord is I want something else to get me through this semi charmed kind of life. Yeah, which is I think that's a drug reference. I think yeah. I need to have drugs in order to sort of because I can't raw dog life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just about because uh, uh, I read it. Now, it was it was just about wanting things to change. And just making sense of mm-hmm. just just life in general. Yeah. Um, the sky because, was gold. It was rose. I was taking sips of it through my nose. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, it, because they wrote it. Um, I was reading. Uh, they wrote it as like a a kind of homage to you know Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Yeah. Take a walk on the wild. Yeah. Side. Yeah. Because that, so, yeah, yeah. that's got the do 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 do. So they wanted. Uh, they yeah. needed a song. That was about the same kind of things, but they needed a so that's why they came up with a do 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 do. Um, just for finish, I I wanted to talk about the uh, improv uh, comedy because you were in an improv group, uh, the Noise Next Door, mm-hmm. who are still going, still with, going uh, with new newer members. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I left, then another left, then he went back, then another left, and now a new one came back. It's very much the sugar babes of the comedy industry. Yes, it very much <laughs> is. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're going strong, dude, look them up. Do you miss doing the stuff with them? Um, I don't miss it. I, it's not like I... You know, but I remember it very, very fondly now. Mm-hmm. And I do occasionally go back and do it. Yeah, so like, like, been... like. If if they'll have me on as a guest of something, you like Robbie? We take that. Yeah, I'm very much like Robbie. Well, get you, back, a, get you back for the big gigs. That was the thing, Mark. I was always very much Robbie and Gary combined. That's why. <laughs> that's what caused a lot of riff in the group. <laughs> uh, but I, I, we did so much music back in those days, and uh, I, it's always fun when I go back. But I, I, I love being a comedian. I love um, writing my own stuff and. Talking about what I want to talk about rather than, because yeah. it becomes very dance monkey dance. And can um, you can you fit seamlessly back into it? Like, if is it like riding a bike? If you if you're if you're good at improv, and you go back to after a couple of years, can you pick it up? I don't know, not really. I mean, I mean, yes, you can, because. You do quite a lot of improv in comedy. If you yeah. ever do it, if you do audience interaction, it's sort of the same. The yeah. difference between that the group and comedian is is sharing the power on mm-hmm. stage. Because mm-hmm. as a comedian, you have all of it. Whereas in a group, you have to know when it's not your turn to say the funny thing. Yeah. So lots of being in a group on stage is about it's better we all it's called alley-ooping is you you throw the ball up for the other person to slam yeah. dunk it yeah. and that isn't what stand-up is about at all you're you're yeah. slam dunking everything so i think um, improv's a lot less selfish yes it is it's yeah. complete yeah it is what well, the best improv is definitely that's why when we ever did those those lock-in shows and we had stand-ups on there were so many stand-ups so they would panic if they weren't getting laughs all the time yeah 
which is not what you do in improv because yeah. sometimes it's just not your turn to get the laughs. Yeah. So you'd see these comedians who are used to getting, you know, you know, seven laughs a minute or whatever it's going to yeah. be. Um, just, yeah, just not knowing what to do. Yeah. That's why I find it so easy at the, the silent parts <laughs> were fucking second nature by that fringe. So I was... Um, yeah, we didn't even mention the fact that uh, Tom Houghton, uh, my guest today, lives in the Tower of London and uh, recently murdered one of the ravens. So we will <laughs> leave it there. Do not uh, say that. Tom, thank you very, very much indeed. It's been such a good laugh talking to you. Cheers for doing this, Ta. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been amazing doing it. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. Cheers, bud. All the best, mate. And that's that. Episode four done. Thank you once again to Tom for joining me. It was such a good laugh. We had such a good time recording it. And I think we laughed like absolute drains all the way through that. It was an absolute pleasure to have him. As always, on the description of the podcast, all of the contact details and all of the places you can follow Tom will be there. So please do. And he's going to be on tour very, very soon. So please, please, please go and see him. He's a wonderful, wonderful comedian. All of my details will be up there as well. Please check for tickets to my upcoming shows. As always, please follow us on Twitter at PerfectPlayPod. I will be back next week with another fantastic guest. But in the meantime, I will leave you with the words of the star of The Muppets Christmas Carol, Michael Caine, who said, Be like a duck, calm on the surface, always paddling like the dickens underneath. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>